following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. RevivalNow.Church Revival in Woodbridge RevivalNow.Church Revival in Woodbridge RevivalNow.Church Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. The world is so full of human religion, and when I look at it from the New Testament perspective, it seems to me that great multitudes of people who call themselves Christians have a sort of a mechanical Christianity where the very first principles of true Christian life are absent, are missing. The more intimate we come with Jesus, the more we seem to be able to distinguish the shades of human character and see the truth in the air. And I'm very troubled as I come today because I see how I only have one life to live. You only have one life. You're living it right now. 
and I've lived long enough to see a young man, eager and earnest, giving himself to his family and to his job, to his community. And then I watch as that man grows older. And then he comes to midlife. He's a good citizen. He has moral values. He attends church. But he's really never had an experience with Jesus Christ. He's never really been converted. He's still very much a human being of of moral value who is doing his best to love everyone, who is doing his best to live his life according to the principles he's been taught. But the point is, it's still his life. It never became Christ's life. And so, I see a pitiful condition in the church today. I see these professed Christians, and they're being led by casual, laid-back preachers, self-seeking, good men, but they're men of religion. In light of eternity, it seems that the church in America is playing church. Now, human religion has very specific marks that identify it as human religion. First, it defends it depends solely on human effort and action. It resorts to the tactics of skill and planning and strategy. It goes back to committees and majorities and votes and resolutions and influential people make the man-made legislation legislation and this human religion is then born out of human flesh so it wants big things it wants big churches and and great preachers and beautiful music it wants aesthetic culture, it wants college diplomas, it wants stained glass dignity. Somehow in the midst of all of this, there's no quiet humility before God. There's no crying out. There's no recognition that I don't have any power. So whether it's a funeral, an outing, a wedding, whether it's a revival or a sacramental service or a baptismal, a church dedication, whatever it is, it has to be striking, it has to show off, it has to be successful. The modern church lives on leavened bread, full of yeast, puffed up. 
This is the stuff that we have palmed off to the world as religion. Religion of the of the meek and lowly Jesus Christ who went about casting out devils and giving himself to transforming wretched lives, converting men and women. Now when I I look at this, I just weep. I've had a hard time all morning because I recognize that many who call themselves Christians have not been converted. John Bunyan, in his book, Pilgrim's Progress, talks about Hopeful and Pilgrim as they're walking along on the narrow path and suddenly two men slide in over the wall and they are walking on the path and so Christian wants to talk with them and he asks them how did you how did you get here well we came in over the wall well have you been through the narrow gate well no well in Bunyan's writing the walls that are beside the narrow path are the theology, the doctrine. And so Bunyan is saying these men grabbed a hold of doctrine, they grabbed a hold of the teachings of the church, and they came in over that doctrine, but they've never been to the narrow gate. They've never been converted. They've studied doctrine, they've been to classes, they've been to church, they've identified the narrow path, and they've said, we want to walk on that narrow path, we want to go to heaven as well as you do, Christian. The problem is, they're walking on the narrow path, but they've never been converted. And so they don't last on the narrow path. They're soon drawn off the narrow path to an easier way. The narrow path is not an easy path. It is a path of complete self-denial. It is a path where we give up the need to be successful and we focus our attention on our Master, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm very aware, after having walked for many years with Jesus, and you don't have to walk many years with Jesus to know what I'm going to share with you, but I was just slow in learning. And that is that what is important is not what is done by me. What is important is what is done by the Holy Spirit. And often that which is done by the Holy Spirit is done without my fingers touching it. He steps in and he begins to work miraculous miracles of deliverance. Things that I could not have made happen. I'll be specific. He opens the way for a place to live. 
he opens a way for work and for employment. Now, you can go do those things yourself, or you can wait on the Lord and take his direction and do exactly what he tells you, and he will open the way. It's also very evident in the life of the church. The church does not prosper in the spirit realm by having all of the decisions soundly made by committee. Sometimes decisions have to be made by a person who hears from the Holy Spirit. It seems that the first rule of an institution is self-preservation. Jesus said that unless the seed falls in the ground, it remains only a single seed. But if it falls in the ground and dies, it produces a large crop. This is a hard lesson for us. We're afraid to die. We're afraid to give up. We're afraid to say, Jesus, I belong to you. Now come and rule over me and exercise your authority over me. And I will submit to you, Jesus. This is not easy. So many, I dare say, even of you who are listening to this broadcast today, have much church experience. But have you been converted? Have you been converted? Have you been transformed into the likeness of Jesus? Don't tell me that that you're slowly getting better. That's not conversion. That's self-help. That's strategies for success. No, when we come to Jesus, we're transformed in a moment and we leave behind our sin. We leave behind the things of the world and we walk clean in Jesus. Now in the story of Pilgrim, he comes to this narrow door and above the door is written the word, knock, and it will be open to you. Matthew 7, 7. So Christian knocks, and the door is not opened. He knocks again, the door still does not open. Bunyan is trying to tell us conversion is not a quick and easy thing. It means we begin to be terrified of our lack. It means we begin to be terrified of our sin we begin to recognize a desperate need for Jesus Christ. It means it's not going to be easy to enter the narrow path. It's called in Scripture the suffering gate. The the narrow gate, the gate that squeezes so that you can't take any of your baggage in with you. You can't take your sin and walk on the narrow path. So Bunyan sees the 
the word, knock, and it will be opened to you, but he knocks and the door is not opened. I've heard of many men and women who have tried to come to Jesus and they could not. Why could they not come? Well, because they wanted to keep all of their habits. They wanted to maintain ownership of themselves. They wanted to maintain the authority over their life with their expectations and their plans. But you cannot come to Jesus this way. You come to Jesus as you are, but you do not remain as you are. You are totally transformed and changed into the image of Jesus. So he knocks, and no one answers. He knocks again, no one answers. He calls out, May I enter? Will he within open to pitiful me? You notice he's identifying his desperate need. Have you ever truly identified your desperate need for Jesus because of your sin and the darkness of your heart? Have you ever faced the reality that you are not a good person, that you are an evil person. Oh, no, Pastor, I'm a good person, and now I I just need to add Jesus to my already good life, and he'll help me, and I'll become even a better person. No, it doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. There has to come into our hearts a final honesty where we stop lying to God and we stop lying to ourselves. We stop lying to our family and our friends. And we finally deal with the truth about ourselves. Now, we come to Jesus this way, but we don't stay this way. We're transformed into his likeness. We become like Jesus So he comes to that narrow door and he begins to say, will you open to pitiful me? I am an undeserving rebel, but I will not fail to sing his lasting praises on high if you will open the gate for me. Now we don't talk much about this today. But there is a period of time where a person who wants Jesus is going to have to acknowledge the utter depravity and wickedness of his heart. If you have never done this, you have not been converted. Conversion means you were something, but you were changed into something else. But if you've never acknowledged what you were and what you are, how can you be changed into something different? Jesus is not just putting on a new garment, a new suit, a new dress, and the filth remains underneath. No, there has to be 
an admission, a confession, full and complete about who I am and how how much I have lied, what I have stolen, how I have undermined and hurt other people, how I have gossiped and slandered those that I judged in my wisdom. There must come to our hearts an entire letting go of success, letting go of ambition and dreams. There must come to us finally a place of utter poverty of spirit because this is who every unsaved person is. They are in utter poverty of spirit. Is that your condition today? Have you been playing Christian, but you've never been converted? You've never finally come to the bottom and stopped lying to God about who you are in your inner being? Have you tried to put on the Christian act and go to church and pay your tithe even? Maybe even you're a preacher, but you have never really been willing to go down to the depths and admit who you really are. Is that who you are today? You cannot enter the narrow gate until you recognize your desperate need. If you remember this story of Pilgrim's Progress, Christian, reading the book, the Bible, comes to the very clear understanding that his city, the city of destruction, is going to be burned by fire, and that he and his family will likewise be burned with fire if they do not find a way of escape. And the way of escape is to go to the narrow gate. But he's had to come to terms with the rags he's dressed in, to the heavy burden of sin that he carries on his back, all of the things he has done and said that were against the Most High God. The fornication, the pride, the lying, the stealing. Everything lies exposed before the eyes of Almighty God. And human religion will never take you down this road. Human religion will pat you on the back and say, There, there, you're okay. Don't become a fanatic. Relax. You're saved. Jesus loves you unconditionally. You don't have to deal with your sin. You're saved. They're lying to you. You cannot be saved until you leave your sin. And you will never leave your sin until you see your desperate condition before a holy and righteous God. And today my heart is breaking for the many men and women, boys and girls, who've been taught the mechanical, worldly religion. And you're doing your best you can do, but you know it's not enough, and you know by your conscience 
that you are not right before Almighty God. You know you are a sinner. And you've been told, oh, you're always going to be a sinner. And finally, when you die, Jesus will take your sin away. Then that makes sin your savior. That makes death your savior from sin. Well, it's right and it's wrong. It's right that death is the rescuer from sin, but it has to be death before you die. It has to be you utterly surrendering to Jesus and consecrating yourself totally and completely to him and to his will. And it means giving up everything of yourself. So Christian stands at the door and knocks. It says, knock and the door will be opened, but no one answers and no one opens the door. The old timers called this praying through. Where you had to get on your face before God. And you had to begin to confess your wickedness. And you go to the very bottom of it. Until finally, the door opens for you. And the Holy Spirit invites you in. And the peace of Jesus Christ begins to flood into your heart and into your soul. We like quick things today. Pastor, will you pray for me that I could be saved? Oh, yes, I'll pray for you that you can be saved. But you're not going to be able to bypass the prayer closet where you personally must deal with a holy and righteous God and where you must come to terms with your sin. And you must go to the very bottom of it with full confession. And after a full and open confession of your sin before Almighty God, and you may have to do this with a pastor or with another person because if you do it by yourself, you may excuse yourself. You may need someone to call you on it and to pray with you and to say, come on, don't hold back. Go all the way with Jesus. So as you as you pray, Tears will probably come. Tears will flow. Because you'll see your utter wretchedness before a holy and righteous God. And you'll know you don't deserve to enter that narrow gate. But you're very clear that if he will let you enter, you will sing his praise, you will worship him. It says in Pilgrim's Progress published in 1678. At last, a very serious person came to the gate whose name was Goodwill. Goodwill asked, Who is there? And from where have you come? And what do you want? And Christian answered, I am a poor, burdened sinner. I came from the city of destruction, but I am going to Mount Zion so that I may be delivered from the wrath to come. 
I'm informed that through this gate is the way to safety. I want to know if you're willing to let me in. You see, John Bunyan's understanding of this wonderful truth is that there must be a confession that I am a poor, burdened sinner and I have come from the city of destruction. But I want something more. I want to be delivered from the wrath of God. See, may I call you brother, sister? If you have never come to terms with the wrath of God spoken of in Romans, the first chapter, if you've never come to terms with the fact that you are lost and hell-bound until you have been transformed and made into a new creature and have been removed from sin. Sin brings death. All roads end up at the same place they end up at the judgment bar of God. Sin is punished by death. If you do not see your danger, you will not be interested and not be able to walk the narrow path. If you do not fear God and his righteousness, if you do not have any respect for the wrath of God. If you don't understand that as a human being, as a son and daughter of Adam and Eve, you are hell-bound automatically because you have sinned against Almighty God. And because you have sinned against God, you will be punished for your sin you are hell-bound. The scriptures say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, all men are headed for hell. You must admit that. You must know that in your inner being. There must be an understanding that you're not going to be able to slip through with human religion and human endeavor and ecclesiastical understandings, theological beliefs. You can't say, I've been a member of this church for 30 years. I'm a mature Christian. As you scream at your children, or as you lie, or as you do other things that demonstrate that you have not been transformed by the likeness of Jesus, you've not been transformed by his blood and his power. So he comes, humble of heart, saying, I am a poor, poor, desperate sinner. And I must be delivered from the wrath that is coming from on high against all sinners. That's why I played this song for you, Sinners and Saints. A great day is coming when sinners and saints will be separated. 
So Christian says, I want to know if you're willing to let me in. Remember, this is after repeated knocking. This is after admitting who he is, confessing his sin, spending sleepless nights and days reading the scripture, crying out for, how can I be delivered? I see I'm going to die. Many of you listening to this broadcast, please, I'm not trying to offend you, but many of you listening to this broadcast have never faced the reality that you are hell-bound, that you are going to be judged by God because you've believed that you can walk in your rebellion and your sin and in your human religion and you're going to make it, but you're not. Now, obviously, I'm not trying to please men and I'm not trying to smooth something over or schmooze you, as we say. Honest up. If you have no sense of the wrath of God and you have no fear of God and you've never gone to the bottom and confessed your sins and been brought in under the blood of Jesus where you are entirely consecrated to sin no longer, you are not saved. You are lost. You are not saved. You're lost. Now we have some time. I'm going to open the phone lines. I'm happy to talk with any of you who would like to talk. If I can pray with you, I will. If you need to confess sin, if you have never really been a Christian, you've been a a world religion Christian, you've been a mechanical Christian, and you want something more, you're welcome to call 877-534-0780. While I wait for any of you to call, let me quickly tell you about tomorrow's broadcast. Most Fridays we do a rebroadcast, but we're not going to do that tomorrow. We are going to be live in studio. My wife, Alexandra, and myself will be interviewing Lauren Handy. Lauren is the founder and president of the pro-life organization Mercy Missions. She will be on air with us to talk about how she became a Christian. She was an atheist. And the decision she made as she had a Paul on the road to Damascus conversion Six weeks later, she sold everything she owned and became a full-time, she calls it, let me see if I can get it, I want to get this right for you, Uh, a full-time pro-life missionary. She has some story. She's been arrested six times. She is going to trial soon. For the latest arrest in rescuing babies from abortion. She has an amazing story to tell. You're welcome to listen tomorrow to this live interview. We'll open it for questions. We'd like to hear from you tomorrow on this topic. 
Our phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. Mr. Producer, are there any calls coming in? Is Mr. Producer there? Kevin? Well, maybe he's taking a call for someone who wants to talk. So we'll wait a minute. But I'd like you to also look very carefully at John, the eighth chapter. These chapters in the book of John are the most painful dialogue I think I have ever read. It is the direct confrontation between Jesus and the worldly church. It is painful because the rejection of Jesus is so apparent. I'll begin reading in chapter 8, verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, but you will die in your sin. Where I go, you are not able to come. What would you have said to Jesus if he had said that to you? I'm going away, and you will seek me, but you will die in your sin. That's terrifying. I can't imagine anything worse being said to me than the Lord God of heaven saying, I'm going to withdraw from you now, and you're going to die in your sin, and you're not able to come where I am. He said to them, verse 23, You are out from below, and I out from above. You are from among this world. I'm not from among this world. So I said to you, you will die in your sins, to be sure, if you do not believe that I am he, or Messiah, you will die in your sins. And they were saying to him, well, who are you? And Jesus said to them, even that which I say to you at the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but the one having sent me is true, and what things I heard from him, I am declaring these things to the world. They didn't understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. Therefore Jesus said to them, When you may lift up the Son of Man, then you will understand that I am he, and I do nothing from myself but just as my father instructed me. Well, the problem with what he's saying is that after he's lifted up, he's going to leave. And they're all going to die in their sins. Now, what actually happened? Well, A.D. 70, this is probably sometime around A.D. 32, 33, just a few short years later, the Roman general, Titus, comes and over a million Jewish people are slain in Jerusalem. The Christians were told when to escape, and they escaped. That was a 
point of bitter conflict between Christians and Jews in that day because the Christians survived and the Jewish people in Jerusalem, over a million people, they died by the sword. It was catastrophic. It was horrible. Blood was everywhere. And for 500 years, Jews were not allowed back into Jerusalem. They were forbidden to enter. Now, in verse 31, Then Jesus was saying to the Jews, The ones having believed in him... Okay, so now you have people who are beginning to say, okay, this Jesus makes sense. I see his miracles. I'm starting to believe in him. He said, if you may remain in my word, you really are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they replied to him. Now, this is the ones who say they believe in Jesus. They replied to him, We are the seed of Abraham, and we have been slaves for no one ever. How then can you say you will be free? They're believing that Jesus is Messiah, but they have not confessed their sins, and they are not surrendering to him. They're arguing with him. Jesus replied, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone doing sin is a servant of sin, and the servant does not abide in the house forever. The son abides forever. So if the son may make you free, you really will be free. Well, free of what? If you read the context, hermeneutically, it's very plain. Free of sin. These people are not yet free of sin even though they're believing that Jesus is the Messiah. So now you have the perfect setup for the world's religion, man-made religion. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. I believe he is the Christ. But I remain in my sin. And Jesus is saying, you will not abide in my house if you remain in sin. He's saying, if you're doing sin, you are a servant of sin. But I will set you free. Then he speaks to the crowd. I know that you are all Abraham's seed. But you are seeking to kill me. Because my words find no acceptance in you. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you also do what you have seen with your father. And they answered, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were children of Abraham, the works of Abraham you had been doing, but now you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You are doing the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We've not been born out of fornication. We have one Father, God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would be loving me, because I came out from God. I am here neither have I come on account of myself, but the one sent me. So why do you not understand my way of speaking? 
because you are not able to hear my word. You are out from the father, the devil, and the desires of your father you will do. That one was a murder from the beginning. He has not stood in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he may speak the lie, he is speaking out of his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I am telling the truth, you do not believe me. Do you see why I say this is such painful dialogue? Because it's coming right at the issue of whether or not I am willing to be converted. Whether or not I'm willing to honestly confess every sin and then to repent of that sin, that is to turn aside from it, not an individual sin, but all sin, to repent of my wicked life, to repent of my unbelief, to repent of my lack of of fear of God and fear of his wrath, casualness, indifference, going about my business, my business, not God's business, using my money and my time and my energy to live my one life. Do you think that after living your one life and having done a few good things in that life, that that will be sufficient to open the door of heaven for you? You have come in over the wall of theology, of doctrines of men, but you did not enter the narrow path by way of the gate. Jesus said, I am the gate. We again have just a couple minutes left in this broadcast. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. Mr. Kevin, are you there? I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Are there any calls coming in? Thank you. There are no calls coming in. Are you surprised? I'm not. Why? Because in America, we love human religion. We don't want to confess our sin. We don't want to let go of our ambition. We want to use the Christian faith to become more popular, to become more successful, to make more money. We want to use the Christian faith to comfort ourselves in the midst of the turmoil of our culture so that we can have the life we want to live. So why would you call? Why would you confess your sin? Why would you knock at the narrow gate? No, you've been able to slip in over the wall with false teachings and find a place of hiding, a place of comfort for you for your family but you don't have a daily time of prayer and scripture you don't have times of 
of long sitting in the presence of God, weeping over your brothers and sisters and winning them to Jesus. No, instead you have long hours sitting in front of the television watching the Steelers or watching another football team or coming soon watching the Super Bowl or shopping or getting another job focusing on how you're going to survive and live how you're going to take care of your family well parts of that are important it's important to take care of your family and it's important to do good things for people but that will not save you only coming to Jesus will save you from hell. Only coming to Jesus and acknowledging the fullness of your sin and repenting of that sin, only that way is the narrow gate that will allow you to come into the presence of Jesus. Let me read more of this painful Dialogue. John, the eighth chapter, verse 48. The Jews answered and said to him, Are we not speaking correctly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Now, I'm not seeking my glory. There's There's one seeking and judging. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone may keep my word, he may never, never experience death forever. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets. But you are saying, if anyone may keep my word, he may never, never experience death forever. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died, and the prophets who also died? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. My Father is the one glorifying me, whom you are claiming that he is your God, while in fact you don't know him. Very painful dialogue. Because They have human religion. And they cannot come to Jesus and accept this Messiah who can save them from their sins. Human religion is the ugliest thing I know. It's grotesque. It parades as a rescuer but there is no salvation in human religion. There is only deception. There's no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. And according to Bunyan, the only way you can come to him is through the narrow gate. And of course, That was also Jesus' position. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, 
and follow him. Now, Christian enters that narrow gate and he begins to walk and he comes to the cross and the burden of his sin is washed away. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. I pray this has been helpful to you. I pray that you're willing to consider the words and pray about them. Some of you are sincere and honest Christians. I rejoice in you. But many others of you have not come to the end of yourself yet, and you've called yourself a Christian, but you've never been converted. You just have human religion. I invite you to follow Jesus today. I've been going to the post office this week and finding an empty box. I'd like to ask you, please, if you think this word needs to go out day by day in Washington, D.C., would you step forward? Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia? Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find a donate button, and you can give online, or you can indicate that you'll send a check. Thank you for walking with me. I pray today Jesus is real to you. God bless you. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.